Good evening. Thank you, Jordan, for reading our scripture. We're so glad to have each one of you here. As I look around, I know that we're kind of short in number, and I've talked to many who have expressed the time of year brings sickness. Uh, actually, soon before we left the house, Charlie had a fever, and she said she didn't feel good, and uh, we left her at home. But also with this season, this is a time of year where things are busy. And when I mean busy, I mean you get out and you go to the store and the parking lots are full and the shelves are empty. Whatever you want, it's not there. Neil Hallwell's here tonight. Of course, he wasn't able to be here this morning because of that same season. It is a very busy time. Now, within this time of year, it just so happens that lots of people are worried about presents. We've got to figure out what to get, who to get for, how much to get them, and go all in and do absolutely everything we can to make sure that there is this perfect present, or in most cases, multiple presents to be pleasing. But as I think about the time of year and the <laughs> lunacy season, as I once heard it called, the time of year where people spend way more money than they should and go deep in debt, it brought me to the thought of presence. And as we think about presence tonight, I want you to think about presence in that of the spiritual context. We come together to worship, and one of our activities, one of our things that we, we do is we bring presence or give presence to the Lord. Giving to the Lord follows from the design way back in the beginning. In fact, if you go back to Genesis chapter 4, in verses 3 and 4, you find two, two boys there that you would know. I'm sure you've heard the story many times by the name of Cain and Abel. It just so happens that what Abel brought was acceptable as he brought the first of his flock. And Cain's sacrifice was not. But he brought a gift or a present to the Lord. As you think about those presents, later on it was instituted a requirement for presents. In Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 28, he said, At the end of the, every third year you shall bring out of the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gate. So way back in Deuteronomy, there was a law laid out so that they could set aside this tithing, the 10th percent, so that it would be set up for the Levites in that context so that they would be able to carry on the work that they were to do. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. Now, during this time of year, we usually think about giving gifts to others. But throughout the year... As God, by God's design, we bring gifts or presents to the Lord. Giving to the Lord is set as an example, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, so must you do. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay by him in store... Storing up, as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. We see that, that rudimentary, that beginning principle or the, the example of the church setting aside for the Lord. Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8, uh, it, it talks there about 
that of our giving, our giving back to the Lord. And he says in verse 6, he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly, he says, will also reap sparingly. And the same goes, he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now he goes on in verse 7 in our understanding, our guidelines for giving today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Within God's design, he didn't give us the same tithing law that he did in, in the Old Testament where they were required that of the tithe, but now he says give as a cheerful giver and to give not grudgingly, not of necessity, not of requirement, but do it from the heart. As I think about this, there have been many in the denominational world or within the religious world that have taught that of the, the get-rich gospel where you go ahead and give us all your money and hopefully you make it through the week. Uh, I don't believe that it's such that you can just throw away all your money and expect to survive, but yet God still requires us to uh, use our money in great ways. God still requires us to be good stewards. But yet at the same time, God promises that if we're willing to sow, we can expect to reap the same. As I think about giving, as we give to the Lord, understand that giving to the Lord is an example that's set about in the new law and it is what we have to do. Giving back is only a proper response when you consider that of what's been given for us. I think of so many verses you, as you read throughout the New Testament that point to the sacrifice that was given for you. In John chapter 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The goal being everlasting life. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he says, Christ died for us. You see the gift? You see the gift that keeps on giving. We see that Christ was willing to give all and within our small portion of our life we're yet still required or given opportunity to give back. A few moments ago Jordan read our scripture. In James chapter 1 verse 17 he says, Every good and every perfect gift... Uh, is from above and comes from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We see the perfect gift wherein lies the Christ, the best gift that could have ever been given. In Romans chapter 8 verse 32 it says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. When you talk about gifts, when you talk about receiving great presents, when you talk about getting the best thing ever, we have received. God has provided the best gift that could ever be given. I think of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 where it says, But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the, than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste of death for everyone. We see the purpose of the gift. Christ tasted of death for us. Now as I think about gifts, as I think about this time of year, we bring our presence to God when we come upon the first day of the week and we lay by Him in store or as we give back to God. 
But I also think about giving your presence. Not only do we need to give God a gift, but on the first day of the week as members of the church, we come together and we give God our presence, our being here. God desires our presence in the assembly of the church. When it comes, comes to speaking of Christian, God desires us to be there. You know, it was not long ago that Anna said, you know, we need to watch a movie as a family. And we pulled up this thing with this green monster and he's called the Grinch. And it just so happens in this, in this movie with the Grinch, he, he steals Christmas and he takes all the presents and you've got all these people in town that are tore up and destroyed because the presents were gone. Now in our society... The, the world has brought it out that this time of year is all about presents. And if we didn't have presents, it really would be bad. Wouldn't that be right, Kaylee? It'd be rough. <laughs> As a parent, I think it'd be great if there were no presents during Christmas. But... <laughs> But as you think about those presents, there was a great design within the Grinch stealing Christmas because they came to an understanding where there was something more than just gifts. When we come to worship, there is something more than just giving God our gift. Our presence is required, meaning us being here is important to God. Within the holiday season, we have families that come together and they spend this quality time together... And that is as much or as big of a great thing. It's as big of an importance as that of what we see as giving presence. So when you think spiritually, not only do we need to give our presence, our gift, but yet we also need to give ourselves being here. God desires our presence. If you look at Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, it says, For where to... Or three are gathered together. You notice what God says about it. He says, in my name, I am there in their midst. When the Christians come together, God says, I am there within their presence. I think also of John chapter 20 and verse 19. It says, then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut. What do we see? We see the disciples were assembled. Now I love the... Online viewers, I love the idea of being able to tune in when you're sick. I love the idea of being able to look online and to still feel as though you're a part of the worship service. But I do pray that it never becomes a crutch where we say, you know, I'll just turn on the TV and because we've got that online viewing thing, I don't need to be a part of the worship. Part of the worship is us being able to spend time with one another... Part of it is us being able to encourage one another, build up one another, so that we can go forward in the work of the Lord. On that note, Mom, I'm glad you're tuning in. Uh, but as you look at the online service, it is a great tool. But just like many other great tools in the world that we have today, if we use it improperly, it wouldn't be right. Just like our cell phone, if we choose to use it in the wrong way, the, the cell phone can be something that, that hurts us rather than helps the church to go forward. So I pray that that never happens and I trust that, that it is a great thing and a great tool that we are able to use in spreading the gospel. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, expounding upon the presence, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. You see the purpose. And so much the more... As you see the day approaching, we see a purpose in coming together because we can help 
each other. Not only does God expect of you to give your gifts as we give back on the first day of the week. Not only does God expect your presence in that of you being here, being a part of the worship. But God expects our presence in prayer. What I mean is we have an active prayer life. God desires that we have a presence in praying to him, that we cast our cares on him, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. God expects that we put our cares on him. You know, as a human being, there's oftentimes, I feel like, saying the same prayer over again. You know, I prayed for it yesterday, and I'm going to pray for it again. And I might, might pray for it twice or three or four times in the same day. But yet that's what God expects. God's not tired of that prayer. God's not tired of hearing from you. God doesn't want you to come up with something new. But God wants you to put what's on your heart. Casting your cares, what's, what's, what's on your mind, what's bothering you. God expects that of you. God expects our presence in prayer. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, notice, let your requests be made known unto God. There's importance in prayer. There's importance in telling God what's on our mind. There's importance in sharing the needs that we have with our Lord. Then I think of Colossians chapter 2, chapter 4, I'm sorry, in verse 2. It says, continue earnestly in prayer part of your life make prayer a part of your life pray without ceasing uh, at the end it says uh, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving continue earnestly in prayer prayer is important now as we think about giving it's important that we give our gift to God I don't ever want to take away from that of giving uh, we looked at the, we looked, noticed in the Old Testament where they gave 10%. I don't think that's a requirement that we give 10% today. But I don't think it prevents you from giving more. I don't think it should encourage us to give less, but rather we see how God required a tithe in the Old Testament and now he requests that of a cheerful heart. Why would we want to give more? Why would we want to give to God? Because of the gifts that were given to us. Because of the present that God has presented us with when he gave his son. Not only do we see that, that the Christian must give their presence. We must be here. We must come and worship him. What a great privilege it is. And I say the word must. We get to come together and we get to worship. Because God allows us this great ability. This great opportunity to worship him. So we see that we're required to give back to God. We see that we're required to give our time to God in showing our presence. We see that we've got to give God our time in being prayerful. And so I think about these and when I titled the lesson I called it presence or presence. Do we give God presence or do we give him our presence? Well I think it goes so much deeper. It's kind of like in James when he talks about faith and works. You know faith and works he says, if it's alone, if works are alone, then what do you have? If you've got, you know, you profess faith, but you have not works, he said, then you ain't got anything. There's nothing. It wasn't long ago, Mike talked about the importance of faith, works, tied in with grace. 
As we talk about the presence, the gifts that we give to God today, as we talk about the presence of us being here today, the prayer life of us being here, or prayer in our life, I want to point out that all of it is nothing without your heart. First we give God our presence, then we give God our presence, but most importantly, we give God our heart. I think it falls in line with that of our time of year. As you looked at the Grinch, if all you have is the, the time together and all you have is the presence, and it's really nothing, it's about that heartfelt opportunity that we enjoy. Isn't it amazing how much the spiritual realm ties in with that of the physical realm? You look at the, the requirement and I think about all the happiness within a family because of their heartfelt desire to be close to one another. As Christians, we need to give God our heart. It's the most important piece. Upon that heart hangs all other things. Because we gave God our heart, we're going to have the desire to give God our gifts. Because we gave God our heart, we're going to have the desire to give God our presence in worship. And because we give God our heart, we're going to desire to be a prayerful people. I think about punching my clock. You know, oftentimes I feel like throughout life there's periods of times where it's like you lose track of the importance and it might feel like, hey, I've got to be there and punch my stamp, say I was there. I've got to clock in and clock out. There is so much more to Christianity than to clocking in and clocking out. There's so much more to Christianity than that of Sunday. If we believe that giving on the first day of the week and we believe being here on the first day of the week makes us a Christian, we missed out on being a Christian. It's just like if we... Well, if I myself, if I go home and I sit in my garage all night long with the, car, with the lights off, I don't become a car, even though that's what the car does. Just because we sit in the pew and we go through the motions of singing the songs and praying the prayers and partaking of the Lord's Supper does not make, a, make us a Christian unless our heart is in it. If you look at Psalm chapter 86, in Psalm chapter 86 and verse 12, the psalmist there expresses his desire for God or his, his thought process when he says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, and he says, with all my heart. I would venture out to say that if you don't praise God with all your heart, you didn't praise God at all. In fact, I believe that's why we see that vain worship or how we understand vain worship where the doctrines of men came in because it wasn't, it wasn't that of God's. It goes back to the inner man. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8, pointing just to that, he says, he says referring back to the prophecy, he said he was right. The prophet was right. If you look back at verse uh, 7, he says, These people draw near to me with their lips. Hey, they do good service. They speak well. They speak real highly. They sing beautiful songs. He said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But then notice, he says, But their heart is far from me. What are we talking about? We're not talking about worship because their heart wasn't in it. 
within God's design as we talk about presence or if we talk about us being here, bringing God a gift, or if we talk about us being here, it doesn't make us any more Christian than anyone else unless our heart is part of it. In Psalm 119, in verse 11, I believe this would be by design, what would be expected of a Christian. You want to be a Christian? He says, Thine word have I hidden my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hidden my heart. The heart is filled up with God's word, and that's the most important piece. All right, let's look at the New Testament a little bit. Because God points to that of desiring your heart. Look at Matthew chapter 22. This is a verse we've looked at multiple times. We probably look at it, you know, at least once a month during, during a sermon as Mike or I is up here. In Matthew chapter 22, they question Jesus in verse 36. They say, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now notice what he says right after that. He says, this is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that we have comes from right here. And go back to that very first, the greatest law ever made. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. You see the importance? It starts from within. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 is really the original where he takes it from when he says, hey, this is, this is the rule that I'm talking about. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, you see it written just the same. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. As I think about God desiring your heart today, we see that for us to be a Christian, it's about the inner man. It's about what we believe. It's about the inner person. It's not just going through the motions. It's not just showing up. Now, I'm not trying to take away from the importance of being part of worship. I'm not trying to take away from the importance of giving back. All these things are super important, and God points to it, and that's what your heart ought to bring you to do. In John chapter 4, in verse 24, a common verse, it says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We've got to do it God's way. Within the inner man, within the inner being, within understanding who we are, going through the motions doesn't cut it. As you think about the time of year, I want to encourage you. Don't let church be something we play. Don't let worship be something we act, but let it, let it be from within. It's easy to get caught up in what we've always done. It's easy to get caught up in singing a song that we've sung multiple times and to lose the importance. To not focus on, on the words. It's easy to, to read through scriptures and at the same time let your mind wander to daydream. To lose track of what's going on. And as we think of all these things when we come together to worship, the requirement is that your heart is in it. 
Now, as we talk about the heart being in it, understand the heart being in it requires that when you leave, you still have the same desire to spread God's love. Meaning when you have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. You see that of James chapter 1 at the very end of James. He says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their troubles. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world, we see within God's design, all these things are required, but it starts right here. It starts from within. If our heart is not part of it, then we're not what God would have us to be. As I think about the time of year, I understand that presents are important. I remember being young. And now I just assume not get any. But as you get older, you lose the, you lose the importance of it. Spiritually speaking, I pray that we don't lose the importance of worship. I pray that we don't lose, lose the import, importance of worshiping God according to the pattern that God laid out. I think being here is super important, and we say that to the Sunday night crowd, right? If you're watching and you aren't here, we want you here. Within God's design, we need to be present and accounted for. Within God's design, we need to give back to God what He first showed by giving to us. You know, giving to the Lord gives us a reason to rejoice. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 9, it says, Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. That's what we need to do. When we come together, we come with the heart to put God first. But as we give God what we have to offer, understand that God has given the greatest gift to you. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I ask you, why have you not partook of the greatest gift that's ever been given? It would be like a child leaving the... the the present underneath the tree, saying, well, I don't want that one. The greatest gift that was ever given was wrapped up perfectly. Christ has been offered, his blood has been shed, and it is there waiting on us. I don't know all of your kids when they grew up, but I do know Charlie. And there is not one present that will go unopened. If it's my present and I didn't open it, I'm sure she'll open it. But the greatest gift has already been given. And the question is, did you open it? If you haven't given your life to Christ, I want to ask you, why not? You know, within Christ's design, he made a way so that we could partake of that gift. You know, I think back... To John 3.16, we talked about earlier, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. We see that Jesus was given. You know, within Christ's design, in Luke 13.3, he says, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He gives a design for, for how we can partake in that gift. He says, if you will confess me before men, I too will confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. I think of Christ. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Within God's design, I want to partake of the gift that he has given me. And since the gift has been given, it is left on you to open it. If you haven't opened that gift, I encourage you 
make the change tonight as we stand and sing.